Good morning. Welcome to our Grace Life uh, service online. And if you're visiting us for the first time, uh, we're glad that you've joined us to, to worship with us today. And uh, we hope that you're blessed. And uh, our format is very simple, and we just want to uh, honor the Lord uh, through uh, worship and singing, uh, through uh, hearing God's Word, and uh, through our giving. And, um, and so we just want to offer you uh, all that this morning online. And so uh, let me open us in a word of prayer, and um, we'll get started. So Father, we just welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you'd fill uh, these homes uh, with your presence and your spirit. God, would you show us? Uh, would you light our way? Would you um, be a light in, the, in our darkness? And uh, Lord, we just pray for uh, just your blessing and your favor uh, over our friends uh, this morning. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to worship uh, in different homes uh, Lord, you are the center, and you are the reason why we are here today. So we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so far, we've been looking at the heroes of the Old Testament. We started with Moses, uh, then Joseph, Elijah, and David. And today I want to look at someone from the New Testament, a close friend of Jesus. And he is the Apostle Peter. Who is Peter? Well, Peter was a fisherman whose partners were James and John, who would also be later call, be called to be disciples of Jesus. And our passage for today comes from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. Let me read it uh, together. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Verse 3, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got on into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, ha haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with their, with, there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of your fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare, dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus changes uh, Peter's name in John chapter 1, and he says, You will no longer be called Simon, but you will be called Peter, which means rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome. How amazing is that de declaration uh, that it came true? The church was built on Peter's leadership after Jesus went to heaven. And so for the next three years, he would live as one of Jesus' closest disciples, a part of the inner circle. He was there at the mountain when Jesus was transfigured. He and John was given the special task to prepare the final Passover meal. He was the one that declared when Jesus asked, 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was Peter who had the courage to get out of the boat and walk on water. It was Peter that preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 new believers were added that day. Man, Peter was a rock star. But he was also known for some big mistakes. His big mouth would get him into trouble. He would speak before he thinks. He was loud, impulsive, over the top at times. If you remember, he sliced the ear of a Roman soldier. But he's probably most known for denying uh, that he was the disciple of Jesus three times. It would have been so easy for him to allow that failure to define his life. And his trajectory could have been one of serious depression and throwing away his destiny. And I actually believe that it could have been the case if it weren't for the fact that a loving Savior intervened and and redeemed his failure. But Peter had made some bad decisions and some very costly decisions. Is there anyone here that's ever made some horrible decisions? Maybe some decisions that's costed you dearly. Maybe you've made some bad life-changing decisions. Luke tells us that Peter wept bitterly, harshly, forcefully, to an extreme after he realized what he had done. Some of us live with extreme regret and sorrow for some of the decisions we've made in our past. It seems not only unforgettable, but unforgivable. Maybe it's been 20 years and you still haven't forgiven yourself. It may even haunt you to this day. Your guilt is strong and your condemnation from yourself, family members, friends, it's, it's just really strong. And you may even be thinking that a bad decision right now, of that bad decision right now, as I'm speaking with you. From that day of weeping, I can imagine Peter just struggling from that point. And in this passage, we see him having one of those days of guilt, condemnation, and discouragement. Peter was having one of those days, for in verse 3, Peter says, I'm going fishing. The Greek word used there to convey what Peter was, was saying is hupago which is an interesting word because it literally means I retire, I'm done, I'm out, I quit. And so Peter is just ready to quit preaching and go back to what he knew best, and that was fishing. And either Peter was very persuasive or uh, the other disciples were just as disgusted as he was. For seven of the eleven went with him, and three of those were not even fishermen. And they said, hey, we'll go with you. Peter seemed like he was looking back. Uh, He tried to go back to his comfort zone. He he may have been thinking, hey, if this ministry thing doesn't work, then, you know, I can always go back to where I left off. So watch this. Peter went back to being a fisherman instead of being a fisher of men. In his failure, Peter went back to being a fisherman instead of being a fisher of men. He went back to casting nets instead of casting God's word. And so in this passage, it says, So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And then he goes out to fish, and he's a failure at what he does best, and he's a failure at what he knows most. That's fishing. I don't know if you've ever gone fishing before, but there there isn't anything more depressing than catching nothing. So he failed at being a disciple, and then he went back to what he was an expert at, and he failed at that. But here's where Jesus enters the picture. I want you to see that what Peter couldn't do all night, God turned it around in the morning. What they couldn't do all night, catch fish, God turned it around in the morning. And sometimes the very place of your frustration is where God wants to bless you. 
He wants to meet you there. Don't run from the problem. Just stay there and God can turn it around from a place of frustration to a place of blessing. Listen, you'll always have an empty net if Jesus is not involved. You'll always have an empty net if Jesus is not involved. And maybe in 2020, you haven't had much success because Jesus was was simply not involved. But as soon as Jesus got involved and the disciples obeyed him, they caught 153 fish. A catch of 153 large fish. And one Bible scholar estimates that the weight of 153 fish would be about 300 pounds. And how did John the writer know that there were that many fish? Because they counted them, of course, when they got to shore. If you know fishermen, they know how many fish they caught and the, and the size of the fish. Maybe uh, it's just because they have tendencies to boast about their catches for both size and amount. Uh, have you noticed that people always seem to post on social media when they've caught a fish, no matter what size it is? It could be large or it could be tiny. There's this like boasting complex that fishermen seem to have, but I digress. Now notice the similarities here between Peter's first calling to, to follow Jesus and this particular account. Both occurred on the Sea of Galilee. Both times Peter couldn't catch a thing. And both times Jesus told him to throw his nets into the water. And both times there is a miraculous catch. And so he has got to have thought to himself, oh my gosh, this is like deja vu. All over again. I've, I've seen this before. It was three years ago when the same thing happened. Wait a minute. And that's when Peter recognized that it's Jesus. And he jumps out of the boat. And I want you to notice the detail of verse 9. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus basically prepared breakfast for them. But it's kind of strange. It's like, where do you get the fish? Where, where do you get the charcoal? Where do you get the fire? And, and there was bread as well? Did Jesus go to Trader Joe's and pick some stuff up? But Jesus, like always, is making something out of nothing. And he still hasn't changed. He's still the same today. And when everything you've tried in life turns out to be a failure, he can make something out of it. Jesus always knows what you need and he supplies and he provides. Can, can a brother get an amen? I want you to also notice this, that what the disciples had been working for all night, Jesus had already prepared on the shore. What the disciples had been working for all night, Jesus had already prepared on the shore. What you've been hoping for, what you've been working for, Jesus has it already prepared for you. He's worked it out. And he's waiting for you. He's, he'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Deuteronomy 6 says that you'll eat from vineyards you didn't plant and houses you did not build. And Jesus says in John 14, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. Paul confirmed this in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. He's saying to Peter in this moment, look, you are looking to catch 153 fish, but you don't know it yet. You're going to catch not 153 fish, but you're going to catch 3,000 souls. In verse 9, it's interesting that the Greek word for burning coals, fire of fire, is found in only two places in the New Testament. One place is here in this story, in this passage, where Jesus is cooking fish for the disciples' breakfast. And the other is when Peter stood warming himself 
at a fire under the arrest of Jesus in the courtyard in Mark 14. It was there that Peter denied the Lord and saw Jesus look at him as the rooster crowed. And as he smelled the charcoal fire on the shore this day, he must have been taken back again to that moment, that shame-filled moment in the courtyard. So it's such a, a powerful uh, parallel that that charcoal, that fire, that smell, that same word in Mark 14 is the same word that comes here. And so it must have been a full circle moment uh, of redemption for, for Peter. Uh, there was a time when my wife and I was gifted a few nights stay at a, a fancy five-star luxury hotel. Uh, but I have to admit, I felt so out of place. I mean, because the hotels that our family stayed in growing up were like at the level of Motel 5. Not even Motel 6. Motel 5. You know what I'm saying? Is anyone with me? Um, so, so that's my reference point. And so we pulled in front of the hotel and in the front there were parked Lamborghinis and Bentleys and Maseratis and basically any car that rhymed with Ferrari. You know what I'm saying? And so they opened our car door and brought over this gold rolling card and wanted to take our luggage. And I was like, hey, no, no thanks. In my mind, I was like, I can't afford that, and you don't need to serve it, serve us like that. But it was all paid for. I also learned that instead of eating at the restaurant for free, we we bought um, those lunch on the go boxes from Trader Joe's, like you know, like you know, arugula salad and tiki masala sandwich wraps, you know, those those kind of things. And I didn't even think we were eligible to eat at the buffet in the hotel. I mean, we couldn't possibly be eligibly, eligible to serve like that, but it was all paid for. Later, I found out that we had a butler at our service that could do our laundry, do some errands, bring us food, and it was all paid for. And I never thought we would be eligible to be served in that way. I mean, there were so many perks of this luxury hotel that we didn't use simply because I didn't feel like we were worthy of having access to, to it, even though it was all paid for. Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. What Peter was experiencing is what I failed to realize uh, was that because I was on the guest list at the hotel, I was worthy of being served. Because it was paid for, I had access to all sorts of things that I could have experienced. I was on the guest list. and I was worthy of being served. In those ways. And Jesus was showing Peter, yeah, you messed up, but you are worthy of being served. And Jesus literally serves him breakfast. And I want you to know because you are on the guest list, you are worthy of being served, for your name is written in the book of life, and you are worthy of being served. Can I get an amen? If we continue in this passage in, in John 21, uh, verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here in the text, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the word he uses for love there is the word agape. So when Jesus says to Simon, do you love me? He's literally saying, Simon Peter, do you agape me? Agape is the, the God kind of love. 
it's it's the word used to translate John three sixteen, which said, "God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." For God so agape the world, He gave His only Son. Well, to that Peter responded as honestly as he could. He he knew that his actions didn't match that kind of devotion, and he just wasn't quite there. So Peter responds by saying, "Lord." You know that I love you. But the word he uses for love there is phileo. So to paraphrase this text, it's like saying, Peter, do you love me 100% more than anything else? And his response would be, Lord, you know I like you. Peter was simply being honest here. He just wasn't quite at that level of love yet. He was, he was being honest. He tells the truth. And I wonder how often are we actually honest to God about our spiritual condition. How often are we actually honest with ourselves? And when when Jesus asks us, do you love me? I wonder how we would respond. And so a second time, Jesus uh, asked Peter, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me with the God kind of love? And Simon Peter again replied, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Yeah, yeah, Lord, you know I like you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. The third time, Jesus asked him the question, and he comes down to uh, Peter's level, and he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Peter, do you have that deep, abiding affection for me? Peter replies, Lord, you you know everything. You, You know I have a deep and abiding love for you. Peter, in effect, says, Lord, I realize that nothing I could ever do would measure up to the way you love me, but I don't want to quit. And I can imagine Jesus saying, you know, Peter, once I called you to follow me, but here you are back in your old life. Peter, are you, are you going to abandon me now? Peter, why are you here fishing? Do you want to stay fishing? Or is your love for me greater than your love for your boat, the love for your net and your fish? Is your love for me greater than these, greater than all of these things that represent your past? Simon, Son of John, do you truly love me more than these things? And three times Peter had failed. And three times Jesus restores him. Which shows us that no matter how gross your past may be, Jesus stands not only ready to forgive, but also to restore you. Singer Michael Card uh, commented on writing the title song uh, for his album, A Fragile Stone. And he says that Peter's new rock title, excuse me, Simon's new title, Rock, was not meant to signify strength, but simply something to build with. In other words, being called Rock didn't mean that Simon had more strength than anyone else, but that this is the kind of person of which Jesus plans on building his church. Because when you look at Peter, you see a flawed disciple. And when you look at Peter, perhaps you see yourself. It is out of this sort of material that Peter is is the person that Jesus wants to build his church. For we are all fragile stones. And I love that God loved Peter after he messes up. If you remember in the Mark account, Jesus says, I want you to go tell the disciples and Peter. He points him out, especially Peter. I want you to go and tell the disciples, and especially Peter. And I believe Jesus says that because he wanted the world to know that he not only loves his disciples, but he loves his disciples that have failed him. And so can you 
insert your name there. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell Maggie. Go tell Ethan. Go tell John. You know, hell wants to damage you, injure you, depress you, taunt you with your failures. But heaven wants to change you and transform you and build you, prosper you with your failures. Micah 7, 8 says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall rise. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but you may have made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. You may have failed, but you are not a failure. Instead of rebuking Peter for his failures, Christ was giving him another chance. Christ is not looking at Peter's past. He's looking at what Peter can do for the future. Christ is not concerned about Peter's resume. He's concerned about Peter's redemption. Come on, somebody. Your outcome that you wanted that was crucified. The hope that you wanted that was crucified. Your dreams that were crucified. Your Christ that was crucified three days later was resurrected and he can resurrect and redeem your outcome, your hopes, your dreams, and your life. What Jesus did on the cross was a happy day. Why? Because that's where he washed my sins away. He washed Peter's failures away and he washed your failures away and he washed your sins away. And at the end of this chapter in verse 19, Peter heard, perhaps for the first time clearly, the simple call of his master, follow me. The last recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of John appear especially emphatic in the original Greek language. The grammar parsing of the word is a third person, present, active imperative. That's a special way of saying, that's literally translated. Jesus said to Peter, you, me, keep following. Keep following. You're not a failure. Did you spend last night fishing and got nothing? In the morning, you'll discover that Christ has some fish already prepared and cooked for you. Did you spend the night in the cold? In the morning, you'll see that Christ has prepared a warm place for you. Jesus offered Peter a a new opportunity. He forgave him and sent him on to new responsibilities. And perhaps you need a new start today. Perhaps you feel like a failure. And Jesus is here to redeem your mistakes. Just keep following. Just keep following. And don't give up. Let me pray for you. Lord, many of us feel like Peter felt, Lord. And um, many of us are going through uh, just a challenging time of um, just our self-esteem and um, feeling depressed and discouraged and some of us are in despair because of of our past and our our bad decisions but Lord we just ask for more of your grace right now that you would just begin to to redeem uh, and forgive and wash away our sins Uh, for you have made us a new creation God and that you are um, a God of second chances Lord and so Father we just want to embrace that today God would you restore us as you've restored Peter may that restoration promise in our heart be as real as it was for Peter uh, for us God so we thank you uh, for who you are Lord and we thank you for setting us free and we love you Lord we agape you in Jesus name Amen